All right, all right, all right. Jimmy's playing us in. Takes me back. Takes me back to Summer of Love, 1969. It's a flashback. In fact, today is our very, very first inaugural flashback episode. So, <laughs> I don't, we'll see where this goes. This could be kind of weird, but I'm going to just go with this for a second or two because I, I kind of do sort of flashbacks all the time as we sort of, if you sort of followed me on the journey of the unified CXM experience, we're kind of at around episode 150 now. So done a few of these now and I'm always, you know, recalling stories from the past and, you know, talking about things that happened and occasionally I'll have a story or two that are really kind of cool and interesting, but have nothing to do with the topic of unified CXM. And so I'm just going to I don't, I'm going to try to like make, maybe join them somehow or just throw a flashback in and see if I can make it work. We'll see what happens. We're going to spitball this one a bit today. So welcome to the show. I'm Grad Khan, CXO or Chief Experience Officer at Sprinkler, a New York Stock Exchange listed company, ticker symbol CXM. Really great to have you here today. If you don't like this episode, actually, let me, let me phrase it a bit differently. If you really like this episode, DM me on Twitter and tell me what you liked about it. I'll try to do more and try to build out more of the same. And if, uh, if you didn't like the episode, well, you know, good riddance. That's a <laughs> customer complaints go in the garbage can. Uh, that's, that's CXM for you. Um, actually I read a really funny, I had a read a really, I'll, I'll bring it up later. I read a hilarious, um, a hilarious customer experience post the other day. How did it go? It was customers will be charged based on how they treat us. That was an interesting way. I once knew a photographer named Alex Mayboom. I don't know if Alex is out there anymore, but Alex and I did a lot of work together over many, 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 many years. And Alex Mayboom had a thing that he, it was like an official thing in his accounting system called an idiot charge. And when someone did something that was, you know, inconvenient or made him work extra hard or was just like, just, just awkward or weird or strange or idiot ish. Um, he would just charge them extra and that always made him feel better about whatever they're asking him to do. So I was, I always thought that was kind of fun, but that's not the flashback I want to talk about today. So the flashback I want to talk about today is a Procter and Gamble flashback. So I was doing a podcast with Neha, our breath yogi, and we were getting into a whole bunch of stuff around, um, just how to manage feeling overwhelmed. And we started talking about creating patterns and creating habits and then we got talking about how we had to show up at 8.30 every day at P&G and we had to wear blue suits and sort of got into a whole bunch of P&G stuff. And there's this really great P&G story that I didn't know how to fit it in. It didn't, it didn't really seem appropriate, but I did want to tell it because it's just such a great story. And I think it's true. There's a, there's a non-zero chance it's not completely true, but I think it's true. It's likely enough to be true that I've heard this story from multiple P&G people who weren't talking to each other. So I think it's probably true. Let's just put it that way. So this is a story about someone named Yon Kwek. Yon Kwek was the, ultimately became the president of P&G Canada. So Yon Kwek did very, very well. And uh, he became president in the late 90s. Uh, and um, very su successful executive. And as far as I know, is still enjoying a prosperous retirement uh, in Toronto, Ontario. Uh, but Yon Kwek uh, sort of famously was quite acerbic and kind of grew up in companies in the day and age when wokeness and all the sort of culture stuff we talk about today were not 
maybe respected the same way as they should have been. And so I'm just going to paint a picture for you a little bit of the P&G office so you just understand what it looked like. So this is a original Procter & Gamble office in Toronto from like the 60s on to about sort of 1987 was uh, at Young and St. Clair. It was on the corner of Young and it was a, a sort of a steel building. It looked a little bit like a Seagram building, actually. A kind of kind of classic 60s sort of exoskeleton structure. And it was on the, uh, so I was trying to think about Toronto, it was on the northwest corner of Young and St. Clair. It's still there. The building's still there. And it had those really great elevator buttons where you don't push them, you just touch them. Like they're just touch elevator buttons, but only worked about half the time. Pretty funny. And so uh, we had sort of the top few stories of the building. I think I worked on 19. The executive floor is 21. Uh, the other brand groups were on 20. And then there was other teams and stuff on the floors below us. And it was the floor was in tiled vinyl. This is a vinyl tiled floor. Our desks were these steel case desks, like standard old fashioned steel case desks like you would see in. If you've ever seen the musical, How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, those desks. Okay? And they had a the very low barrier around the desk, just enough to provide a tiny bit of privacy. And it was about 11 to 12 inches high. So you could pin a single piece of paper on there, but you could see right over it. So everyone could kind of see each other's heads. And then the, the steel case desks for the assistants were arranged outside the doors of the brand manager's offices. And every brand manager had their own office. I was like, that's why I wanted to become a brand manager. And so the brand managers would be sitting in their offices. Now, a couple other things about the office. There's a, a coffee cart. Everyone could smoke if they wanted to. And, and obviously, I was not a smoker, but there were smokers. So it was kind of uncomfortable a little bit sometimes. And uh, But I loved it. It was an interesting office. I spent a lot of time there. And uh, I spent a lot of evenings there. And I, I watched every single P&G commercial ever produced. And it was a really great time. So that's sort of the environment of what it was like. It was very much a, in some ways, they hadn't really updated the office since the 1960s. So it was very much a 1960s environment. For example, there was a secretarial pool. Wrap your mind around that for a second. But within two years, like it was all changed. We went to voicemail and it was like suddenly a modern office that would look just like an office that you score to go to today. So I just briefly touched the face of the 1960s. It's kind of fun. Anyway, so Jan Quek was in that environment. And, um, and this is, <laughs> and this is like for me. I, if you if you follow my blog, I've got a number of posts on PNG selling technique and how to write a PNG reco. And there's some pretty good advice in there actually. And there's a very particular structure for PNG recommendations and PNG documents. You'd always make a proposal, always have the conclusion first, and then you justify it based on whether it's on strategy or not, whether it is proven or not. That's a tricky one. And whether it's cost effective or not. So, and I'll talk more about I'll PNG reco structure and other flashbacks in the future, but today's flashbacks are a little bit different. So not me. So some other brand assistant was working for young quack when young quack was a brand manager and they finished their document and keep in mind to write a recommendation back in those days, you had to write it out longhand. Then you had to take it to the secretarial pool. And as a brand assistant, of course you were the bottom of the pile and if there was a bottom below the bottom of the pile, they're in that bottom. Okay, they're in the bottom of the bottom. And then uh, eventually it would get typed up. And this would take several days, just, just to be clear. This, this wasn't like turnaround that was like instantaneous. So days would go by, it would get typed up. And then you would take, you'd make a photocopy. And then you would take the, the 
photocopy and then you'd give it to your brand manager and they would review it, mark it up and give it back to you. And then you'd rewrite it. And, and rewrites were on average, uh, every recommendation was rewritten at least 17 times. That was the average. I was way below that by the end of my career at Procter & Gamble, but there were many times when I was above that. And the rewrites weren't always just grammar rewrites. There were sometimes, you know, strategy rewrites or we're going to change the way we're going to spend and all that kind of stuff. But they got rewritten a lot. It was a constant cycle of rewriting. So it was really good practice. I'll just stay with that for a second. And so, um, so this person's written this up, gotten it typed, you know, dutifully put a lot of time and effort into it. Probably gone through several rewrites and revisions on their own. Finally hands it Dion Quack and says, you know, here you go. Here's a recommendation. And then they go back and they sit in their steel case desk just outside Dion Quack's office. Now, I earlier told you that the floors were tiled in vinyl. And it's a very important part of the story, actually, because if the floors were a rug or anything flammable, this probably would not have happened. Uh, so the office is a little bit more rambunctious because we were sort of essentially in a indestructible playpen so we could do stuff that you wouldn't normally do in a, a nicer office because you'd spill stuff it didn't matter etc so um person sitting at their desk the brand assistant sitting at their desk and they hear a shout from the office so and you would sit right outside your brand manager's office so i, I worked for doug Brownridge for many years as a cool guy and uh still living a cool life driving his chris craft out in bc and doug would say hey grad and i'd say yeah great and as i jump in i'd go in his office and we talk so young quick makes some noise and he's like, he yells out and I'll just, I won't use any names here. Cause I don't think that's helpful to anybody except for young quack. Obviously I'm completely <laughs> slamming him right now, but, but he did this. Okay. So like, he's going to have to own this one, but the people involved are going to keep their names quiet for the purposes of, uh, you know, uh, privacy. So, so young quack yells at the person's name, but just barks at it. And he's like, Mah! and uh, the person looks up and uh, young quack goes, this reco is garbage. <laughs> and so, and of course the blood chills in the brand assistant's body. You're like, Oh man, it's garbage. And then they look up and, and so, so I've done a couple pieces of information that are important to understand here. So uh, the way the recommendations work at Procter and Gamble is they have to be one page, one page and not one page, like, like with quarter inch margins and like two point type, but it's like, one normal page, because if you can't express your idea in a single page, you don't have the idea clear enough yet. So uh, every recommendation was a single piece of paper. So the, the brand assistant looks up and coming out of the office. So, so imagine the brand assistant is sitting at the desk and they're looking up and the office is just to their right. So this is kind of coming out of the door of the office. There is a paper airplane made out of the recommendation the person had written. There's another piece of really important information I have to give you. So I also teased this at the beginning. So I mentioned that a lot of people smoked in the office. Young Quack was a smoker. So not only was this paper airplane sailing out of his office with this sort of, I think it was potentially more like maybe not. It wasn't just this is garbage. I think it's probably he said, he said something that's probably a little bit worse than that. But let's just stay with garbage for now. So there's a there's a the invective. There's a paper plane coming out. And then before he had decided to throw the paper airplane out the door, you're going to see how this all comes together. A uh, young quack had taken his lighter and lit the tail of the plane on fire. <laughs> and so a flaming paper airplane comes sailing out of young quack's office with him saying, rewrite it. 
<laughs> oh my God. There's feedback, right? So anytime somebody tells me that, you know, they don't like how I marked their paper up and read or something, I'm like, hmm, no. There's other ways to give feedback, but yeah, I thought that was, that's a good, funny story. This is a good flashback story. And, uh, you know, it's like, it's so funny. Like it's funny how things have changed in so many ways and in so many good ways. And the other thing that was kind of weird about Procter and Gamble is that they would basically hire like a zillion kids out of school and then throw us into this sort of snake pit and just see who would emerge alive. And what was so, I mean, I think there was maybe one person left from my year by the time I left after nine years. And, and what's so funny is that people got fired like right, left and center. Like every, it was like not every day, obviously, but like every week someone just disappeared. And this is just pre cell phone. So, you know, I remember Stan Simpson and I were going to have lunch together one day and we had made arrangements and I said, Hey, I'll, I'll come by your desk at 1215. We'll go downstairs. And Stan's like, great. Stan was a great guy. He and I had a really fun time together. I've seen him in years. Um, but you know, we were like looking forward to getting together. And I said, great. And I went to my place and he went to his place where, you know, in cubes. And then, um, I got up 1215, wandered over to Stan's desk, literally completely empty. He's gone. <laughs> he just, he'd been walked out of the building and he was gone. And I don't know how long it took me to actually reconnect with him because it wasn't that easy. Uh, but finally Stan and I connected and he's like, yeah, was like, I'm not working there anymore. <laughs> and it was this idea of just people poof, disappearing. It was, it was, I don't know, it added a certain, um, je ne sais quoi to the air of, uh, you know, sort of this uh, kind of imminent threat uh, all at all times, which, you know, I, I quit under my own steam, but I do think that I'm not sure that was a really great cultural attribute because it made you always feel like the job could go away anytime. So there was always this sense of, I think it affects your loyalty to a certain extent. Cause you're like at any moment in time, they might just come and, you know, just saw my chair off and dump me out the window. Right. And I think that was uh, not particularly great. Although, you know, I did stay there nine years somehow. Uh, anyway, so that's a, a bit of flashback about Procter and Gamble and, Anytime you complain about the culture you're in, think about a place where uh, recommendations are thrown out of offices on fire and people are terminated without notice, walked out of the building and you don't even know what happened to them. It could be a lot worse. Could be a lot worse. Anyway, that's it for today. I had a lot of fun. I enjoyed doing that. I think I'm going to do more flashbacks. That was super fun. We'll see how people react to it. Again, if, you, if you've got an opinion, please feel free to turn it into a paper airplane light it on fire and send it my way <laughs> for the unified cxm experience i'm grad con cxo at sprinkler and i'll talk to you next time